in the Bible. And you have to do that for years and years and years. And I thought, okay, something's wrong, Lord. I have a problem if I'm not enjoying every part of your word. So I said, okay, this year, Lord, I want to learn something, even though I've heard the Christmas story hundreds of times. I've been in thousands of church services. I want to learn something new from the word of God. I want you to show me things. I want to see myself in this world. I'm going to tell you, you will never regret spending time in his word. You will never regret looking at it again or a little longer saying, Lord, what is this? What did it mean to them? Because this year I enjoyed, oh, the three weeks I've got to spend in Matthew 2, looking at it, reading it, learning things I didn't know, looking at my Savior, and not only my Savior, but the people of God who were the movers and shakers, the people of God who did something in their time for Him that brought Him glory and honor in this. So let's look here, Matthew 2, 9 through 11. The wise men from the east have come in. They were expecting everyone to be excited. They've been following a star probably for months and months from the east. They get to Jerusalem. They get to the place everyone's supposed to be excited about the Messiah. He's been prophesied from the foundation of the world, from Genesis. It's very clear in in all the writings of Isaiah, in all the writings of the Hebrew people. Surely Jerusalem's going to be excited about the Messiah. They get there. Messiah who? What? What's going on? Should I give an altar call if that keeps going? I could give an altar call. <laughs> Can you come turn this off? Music up here. You can't hear it. There's, I know y'all love music, but if you'll give me 20 minutes, and then you can come back and do music again. <laughs> so they get to Jerusalem. It's a letdown. It is a letdown for them. Because they're people from the east. People are supposed to be excited about the Messiah. There's not a whisper. King Herod the Edomite has to go to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and say, Messiah, these wise men are saying, who's this born king of the Jews? We've seen a star. We've come to worship him. And they say, well, we don't even know where he's going to be born. We've got to go get the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees just to find out where he is. They, oh, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. So this is the picture of of their life. Listen, there are many times in our life that we think something's going to be so great, even maybe in a spiritual place. We think it is, and we get there, and it's not like that. That has nothing to do with the eternal God of the universe who's on the throne and sovereign in all things and has great plans and purposes in our lives, right? No matter what the world is doing, he's greater. In fact, this is where we're going to pick up our story. We all know where we are with this story. Matthew 2, 9. Here we go. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them. It's again. It's a second time. It's of if God doesn't divinely come through, we do not know how to find Jesus. If God does not divinely intervene, Herod said he would help, but something's wrong with that guy. He said he wants to worship him, but I don't feel right. He's just squirrely. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees seem to have, they know where Messiah is going to be born. They seem to not care. So unless God comes through and another star, unless a divine intervention happens, we're not going to find Jesus. Oh, but it does. Verse 10. When they saw the star... They rejoiced with exceeding joy, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
Three simple little Christmas points, but eternal truths from the Word of God. Let's look at the first one, verse 10. They saw the star. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Remember, this was the second time it appeared. They had already followed a long way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem couldn't help them. Jerusalem's good. Praise God for it. But you have to have God. Only God saves. When they saw the star, they rejoiced greatly. You know, in this world we live in and, and everything going on, there's a lot of this is good and this is bad, and living like this is good and living like this is bad. When I th- look at this, there's a great fundamental truth here that I see. It's wonderful. It's It represents Jesus so well. When you follow him, there's always joy. There will always end in wonderful fulfillment. Number one on your notes. Joy is the result of following the king's directions. Joy is the result of following the king's directions. Joy is not the result of following a worldly lifestyle. It's not the result of Herod's power. It's not the result of great study, but without Jesus like the Pharisees and Sadducees, like the scribes. Joy is the result of following Jesus. It is a horrible lie of lies that following Jesus, you will miss out. That following Jesus, the king of joy, the one who created it, that you're going to miss something in life, that's the greatest lie the enemy sells to everyone under 40 in this country and in the world, especially young people. If you're a teenager, if you're a kid, the greatest lie, if you're a millennial, 20-something, 30 years old, the greatest lie you will ever hear is if you follow the creator of the universe who loves you and died for you, you'll have an unfun life. That's That's the lie of the ages. And the wise men say, no, when I saw a star exceeding great joy, I knew divine intervention had happened, and I'm on the way to find Jesus. Joy is the result of following the king's directions. When they saw it, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Greater joy than Herod could bring him, and he had everything. Greater joy than the Jews could bring him. Greater joy than anything on this earth could bring him. They were going to Jesus. This is all throughout the Bible. This is the theme through it. Matthew 25, look at the parable Jesus puts out here. Master goes away suddenly on a long trip. He gives one five talents, one two, and one one. He comes back. He says, what have you done with the life I've given you? History is this. History is what mankind has done with the time which God has given them. Your history will be what you have done with the time which God has given you. That's what history is. That's what your life is. This is the parable here. So verse Matthew 25, 20. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Who's heard that before? Right? That's a, that's a famous and should be wonderful Bible quote. We must not neglect the next few words. The next few words are the whole point. 
and the fulfillment of everything faithfulness gives you. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Enter into the joy. When they saw the star, they were exceedingly excited with great joy. Then the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Verse 22. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside these. His Lord said to him, even though he may not have been as talented, even though he, was, he may not have been as good as the other one, he was faithful for what he did. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. And just so everyone knows, I'm going to say this again. It's repeated in the Bible. Jesus is emphatically saying again, enter into the joy of your Lord. There's a quote on your notes there. They who follow God in darkness shall find that light is sown and is reserved for them by obedient faith. I'm going to show you one quick verse in John 12. This is Jesus talking. Just a few words, John 12, 26. He says this, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. Okay, we're back to serving and faithfulness like the wise men, like the one we just read before. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Sounds great. If anyone serves me, what are the next words there? Him my Father will honor. Do you know that honor is reserved for the Father? Like in a house, the Father honors, right? The Father gives honor. You know who honors the Son? Why does he have the name above every name? God has given him the name above every name. The joy above all joys. And so it is with us also. God himself will honor you. It's God who will give you this joy and this honor in your life. Joy is the result of following the king's directions. You tell your children, your grandchildren, you tell your coworkers, a life without Jesus and away from him. Is not a fun one, maybe for a short time, but then sin, as it always does, will destroy anything it's around. Sin is the most destructive force on this planet, and the life of joy is a life of following the king. All right, let's look back in Matthew 2. Three little points, simple little points. Verse 11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. When they saw this child with his mom, they fell down and worshipped him. Now, this scene is not grand at all. The reason Mary and Joseph and Jesus stay in Bethlehem and don't go back to where they're from, but stay there at least three up to five years has been a great debated topic throughout the centuries and theologians. Why did they stay in Bethlehem? It barely had a thousand people. It was very small. It was off the beaten path. It didn't have a lot of resources. Why did they do that? I'm going to tell you one reason I was thinking about why they did that. Where do you like to hang out? What kind of people do you like to hang out with? You like to hang out with people who like you, right? 
who love you, in fact, who give you some honor and respect. That's a man's mega need, respect. Ladies, yours is love, who love you, right? I will make this assertion. Not only by the divine hand of God did Joseph and Mary stay in Bethlehem where where Jesus was born, even though it wasn't where they were from, it wasn't their city, but those shepherds who saw them that very night didn't stop honoring them after Jesus was born. That was just the event, right? You're going to spend time with where you're honored and reverenced and loved. Amen, right? That's right. That's why you, you got people around you right now. I bet you like these people. If you don't, just smile and fake it. At least till church is over, right? Just till, till we're done. There's a reason they stayed there. There's a reason that they were there months, possibly years. The wise men show up. The Bible says he was a young child. It says that on purpose. Jesus could have been as little as six months, most probably two to three years old. He, they had The wise men come probably a couple years later. He was a young child. And now look at this scene they walk into. This is not some, some uh, kingly scene. You're not going to see this on TV. This is mom in a mom bun, right, with a baby on her hip. I, I got a baby about the age that uh, Jesus probably was. And I'm going to tell you, it's all you can do just to keep it clean, right? Okay, and they were Jewish. They had, a, they had all kind of ceremonial laws. They had to double down on that thing. It was all they could do. And when the wise men get in, it's not something that, they sh- that, that in- should be impressive. It's not. Jer- uh, Bethlehem is not a place that is impressive. Mary is not a pl- uh, Ma- Mary's in a mom bun. I'm telling you. She's in a Jewish mom bun. The baby is not all dressed up. It's probably not a Sunday morning. This is just raw reality and real. But that's what they're looking for. They're not looking for pomp. They're not looking. They've seen all that. They were already in Jerusalem. They're already with Herod. What's Herod? Herod's Rome. Herod's the greatest pomp the world had ever seen. They knew it was as fake as it could be. They just wanted real truth. Right? They were philosophers, astronomers. They were seeking truth. They were seeking Jesus. And when they got there, they said, that's truth. And they fell down and worshipped him. There's such a reverence. There's such a reverence. There's such a respect and an honor. That's number two in your notes. Reverence is the true spirit of Christmas. Man, we've watched a lot of Christmas shows already. Oh. My wife went, I don't know if it was the library or if it was like a special she got a DVD. It has 10 Christmas shows on it. One DVD. Like three Rudolphs and two Santas and four Jesus stories. and this. Ten. It's not even Christmas yet. Oh, it's not even Christmas. We watched so many. We watched a dog Christmas last night. Everyone wants to be in the Christmas mood. The spirit of Christmas, the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of Christmas. Reverence is the true spirit of Christmas. If I want to know about something, I will go to its origins, to where it started and where it began. Is that fair? Is that a logical reasoning? Yes? Yep. Here is the beginning. Reverence is how it started and how it will end. 
Amen? Reverence is the true spirit of Christmas. I uh, always try to look in for illustrations and all kind of stuff when you speak. You're always trying to think of a story or this or that, trying to connect it, connect it. So this year, for some reason, I have done a bunch of illustrations about animals. I don't know why. It's just I'm always thinking about cats and dogs, cats and dogs. And Plato didn't get a lot right, but he did get this right. He said, the unreflected life or the unexamined life is not worth living. Now, this is my mirror, not Plato. This is my mirror. This is my guide. But in little things, I'm like, okay, why am I always dealing with cats and dogs? Why do I always have such a good view of dogs and a bad view of cats? If you are a cat person, please don't throw anything at me or leave. It's just an illustration. And if you love cats, keep loving cats. Good. I'm not going to love cats. You love them because someone needs to love them. Not going to be me. But I was thinking about it, and the light bulb went off. And I realized why I love dogs and why I don't like cats. Let me show you a couple pictures here. This is the first picture. This is reverence. That's a dog. That's his master. Actually, that's a guy who taught his dog how to pray. Obviously, dogs can't pray. It's a joke. But that's reverence. That's why I like dogs. They understand their place in creation. There is nothing worse than someone who doesn't understand their place in creation. Amen? Right? They understand. They understand reverence to the master or their owner. Let me show you cats. This is cats. Now kiss it. That is so irreverent. That's why I don't like cats. The light bulb went off in my mind. I'm sitting in there and by myself. I'm like, woohoo, I get it. I understand. I better be quiet. I'm talking to myself. It was on my study day. I'm usually here by myself. But that was it. That was the picture. Why I understood myself a little better. Now, to illustrate the word of God. And when they had come into the house... They saw the young child with Mary and his mother. You want to know why they could even give them a gift? You want to know why God even accepted their earthly gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh? It's because it... it, Do you want to know why? It's only because these words were in there first. And they fell and fell down and worshiped him. That's reverence. You want to be successful in life? Learn reverence. One other illustration I I was thinking about this week. This was my family issues. So we have neighbors in our neighborhood, boys. They're all three, four years older than our son, Ben. Well, Ben just turned eight. He's obviously always wanted to play with the boys. I get it. I, I had sisters only. So they're out there, they're playing. Well, the boys are older. They, you know, they're not Christian families. They don't really know the Lord. They're, not, they're just boys, right? They're just, we're all sinners without Jesus. So one of them is aggressively, I mean, you'd almost bully kind of a style. You know, I'll take your gun and you do what I tell you to do and everything's good if you listen to me. Well, obviously, that doesn't go well. It creates fights and things like that. We're working on trying to love on them, trying to be a missionary and a separatist, you know, child's priority. It's really hard to be a missionary and a separatist at the same time. Like, I love you, but if you hurt my child, then I kill you. And this, it's a, there's a struggle. You're going to serve the Lord with kids. Oh, my goodness. You talk about die to self. So 
I'm out there. Oh, no, I get back and my wife says, I'm so angry. They were mean to Ben. And a light bulb went off my head again. I thought, oh, that's it. Those boys could be the nicest boys in the world to 7.2 billion people on this planet. They could be the most respectful. They could be loving to everyone else. They could be intelligent. They could be well-spoken. They could be everything that man says is perfect. But if they don't love the Son, if you don't love the Son and fell down and worshipped Him, the wise men were lacking the one and most important thing. They hadn't loved the Son yet. And when they saw the sun, they fell down and worshipped. I'm going to tell you, I'm just an earthly father. It would be so difficult for someone to say they love them and them and them and them and not love my son. Now we're talking, my son's sinful, fallen. Why do you think the Bible says in Psalms, kiss the son, least he be angry. If you love the world and you're so nice to people and you do everything, but the cross is a reproach to you. But his sacrifice is trivial to you. It, it, is, it is a stink in the smell of the God the Father. Amen? We must see this as our most important thing. You can love everything else and you don't honor and reverence that son. You are lost. And you will go to a sinner's hell. That's heavy for Christmas, I know. That's heavy. That's Christmas. Reverence. Reverence is the true spirit of Christmas. Psalms 89, verse 6. For who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? Okay, God's not like anything created. Not Saturn, not the, not the stars, not anything they used to worship, not anything. All of science spends billions of dollars trying to figure out if there's methane on Mars. or da, 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 da. That's good. I'm not against that. I'm just saying God is nothing like anything created. He's nothing like the universe. For who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to God? And he's not like anything on this planet. Not the nicest, not Mother Teresa, not the most successful, not the smartest, not the best business person, not the best athlete. God is altogether different. He must be dealt with altogether differently. Verse 7. God is greatly to be feared. In the assembly of where? His saints. Because we know he's not the universe. And we know he's not a man. He's not any kind of humanistic thought. And to be held in what? Reverence. By all those around him. Amen. By all those around him. Alright. One last point. That was a heavy point too. Oh my goodness. I should have saved that one for point three. That was the crescendo. They fell down and worshipped. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I don't know as much about frankincense and myrrh, although that it's very costly, and it's in liquid form usually, and it's difficult to transport because it's a liquid, and things break, and you spill them. But gold, for sure, is heavy. 
Is it heavy? It's costly and it's heavy. Who wants to lug a bunch of gold through the desert on a camel for months? You know they, were, you know they drew straws for who had to carry the gold, right? <laughs> Maybe they were paying a servant a whole lot. That is heavy. The camel's going to die halfway through the desert. They have to leave him there, bring an extra camel just to carry it. This is highly sacrificial just to get it there. Oh, it could cost them everything. I don't walk around during the holidays with $100 bills sticking out of my pockets just going, hey, guys, what's going on? Go to the mall. All right, they're going to rip the pockets right off my pants. This is highly sacrificial. This is everything for him. That's their mentality. Everything for him. Now, they only got to bring it because of reverence. They only got to bring it because they bowed down and worshiped. I promise you, finding Jesus and getting close to him in that day and age, the sovereign hand of God was upon it. It was like locked up tighter than Fort Knox. I'm telling you. You know, Herod, you think, you think he stopped after the wise men didn't come back to try to find Jesus? Think he didn't have spies and everyone else? The sovereign hand of God, of course, was there. And when it was time for them to leave and go to Egypt, they, would, they went. But it's amazing that these foreigners got to get in right next to him because they fell down and worshipped and because they were bringing sacrifice. They were bringing sacrifice. Lastly, on your notes, sacrifice is the philosophy of his kingdom. Maybe you don't like the word philosophy. I took, had to take a lot of classes for years in that subject. You maybe like the word thinking or viewpoint. I just never used the word philosophy in a sermon point, and I wanted to do it before the year ended. And I was so, I just wanted to get it in there. It's not a bad word, it's just a view or a thinking. But is it not true in the kingdom of God? In the kingdom of God, that's the way we function. Sacrifice is just normal for us. I was reading the Bible and saw something I never saw before in 1 Chronicles. When the first temple was being, getting ready to be built, King David is getting everything prepped. He's doing all the work, years of work. And when he's older, when he didn't have to, when he could have just retired and, and, and coasted, listen to what it says in second, um, excuse me, 1 Chronicles 22, 14. He's talking to his son, Solomon. This is what he says. Indeed, I have taken, what does that say? Much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord 100,000 talents of gold and 1 million talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond measure, for it is so abundant. I have prepared timber and stone also, and you, uh, and you may add to them. I have had much trouble, literally many pains. He was a king. He really didn't want to have to be a foreman and a general contractor. And then he's going to have to, you know, it's an up and start. We've never even built this building before. Can we get an architect? One doesn't exist. No one's ever built anything like this. God's going to give you the, the specific, what it's going to look like. Next verse. Moreover, there are workmen with you in abundance. Oh, now you're going to have to run a crew. Nothing like a bunch of construction guys, right? Oh, that, that's wonderful. That, that'll get you in the, in the Christmas mood. In abundance, woodsmen and stonecutters and all types of skillful men for every kind of work. Of gold and silver and bronze and iron, there is no limit. Arise and begin working. Arise and begin working, and the Lord 
be with you. I have worked hard. It troubled me. That's very honest of David. This is like church stuff, right? Aren't we just supposed to smile and say, yeah, I can do it. It's fine. Uh, you want me to teach children's ministry up 16th time in a row? Okay. We don't do that. But that's a sacrifice. Amen? Come on. You want me to do what? David's heart understood that the philosophy of the kingdom is sacrifice. This is even before the cross. This is before we understood the Lamb of God who was slain. He understood that it was the philosophy of the kingdom. Amen? One last story. Thursday, we did something that had never been done. It wasn't uh, my doing. We have a middle school teacher who uh, is a member here, Billy Joe. She uh, is a choir teacher, and she came to me a couple months ago, and she said, listen, what if I uh, did a volunteer sign-up sheet for the kids to uh, uh, do a choir? They're going to do sacred music. They're going to sing Christmas songs. We'll do it here. It'll be a great outreach. It'll be good. I said, okay, great. We'll host it. Wonderful. Well, I've actually never hosted anything quite like that. I didn't know how. It's kind of hard. Like, you're going to need a lot of people. You're going to need sound people. You're going to need parking lot people, which I forgot about because it was packed. You're going to need a security. You're going to need greeters and all this. Well, I, got, I did like half of it. I mean, the, worship, the AV team was here Tuesday night and Wednesday night in practice and the Thursday event. Well, I forgot about greeters because I was just going to do like me and her husband. I was like, oh, that may not be enough. And then I forgot about parking lot. Like, we're limited, right? It's dark. You know, Grandma's going to park on the back 40 over there, and she's not even going to make it here until the fourth song. That's, that, that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. Grandma needs to be on the front row. So I started calling people, and I try not to do this. I try not to do last-minute stuff. It's disrespectful. I want to make sure I'm communicating clearly. This is our vision. This is what we do as a church. I want to give you a week or two notice or three weeks. That's how we do announcements and stuff. Well, this night, Wednesday night, I'm texting people like, I'm sorry, but can you, no pressure, I always try to say that, can you do this and can you do that? A couple was going to dinner. They said, we'll come do this, take care of it, and then we'll go to dinner. Two people, let me just name them all. Larry, Linnell, Lee, Dylan, Chris, Connie, Billy Joe, Tina, Joe, JJ. All of those people to make this run. They stopped what they were doing. Lee, where are you? Lee and Dylan came straight after work, working all day long to be in that parking lot to park people. Let me tell you something. Sacrifice is the kingdom of God. And when man doesn't even know or man doesn't applaud, Heaven stops and say right there. That's it right there. Amen? Come on. That's Christmas. That's who we are. We breathe it because it's Jesus and all we want is Him. Let's just spend a minute with Him. We're going to spend one minute with Jesus and we're going to go into our Christmas program. Just close your eyes. Come on, just, oh, you and Him. See those wise men there. See the joy of divine intervention in the star reappearing. When man could not, God did. Whatever you're dealing with, Herod can't help you. Maybe even religious experts can't help you. God will put a light 
in the darkest night. Maybe you have not reverenced. Maybe reverence has been what you're missing. Reverence is the key to being close to Jesus. If you don't feel his presence, reverence him, he'll come. If you don't feel him, reverence him in your time, talent, and resources. Reverence the king. Kiss the king, lest he be angry. Reverence him. That's the spirit of Christmas. And lastly, sacrifice. Sacrifice is the philosophy of his kingdom. Just talk to your Savior. Tell him what you want this Christmas. Lord, this is what I want. Tell him this is what you want in your home and family. Come on, tell him. Oh, yes, he loves for you to talk to him. Tell him. Tell him this is what you want for your 2019. Now let's seal it with prayer. Lord, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for your word. There is no story we think that's dull or we don't know. We know everything about it. Oh, no. You will open our eyes. Open our eyes year after year as any time we reflect and focus on your word, on you, God. Thank you, Lord, as we pull these truths out. Let them go deep into the hearts, deep into the hearts of every person here. And let it produce a wonderful harvest of joy and peace in the presence of the Lord. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen and amen. All right, all right. We're going to give the kids just a minute. Come on in, kiddos. And here is the rest of our holiday service. to know what Christmas is all about. I'm going to tell you the story of that very special night where angels sang and shepherds had a great fright. God had crafted a plan from the beginning. It would be a great rescue that would leave the world grinning. The stars were bright in that night sky and angels' voices did loudly cry, glory to God and peace on earth. This was to be the most special birth. The world was full of sin and darkness, and sometimes appeared to be a bit starless. But the birth of our King would bring a great hope, so we don't have to be sad and just mope, like the Grinch over there. The world will sing and shepherds rejoice when they hear the sound of the angel's voice. 
We bow before our holy king as we listen to the song the angels sing. Jesus was born in a stable. 
Joseph had to make a journey. So they loaded up their furry donkey. They were going to the town of Bethlehem, and they had to be counted as one of them. They were looking for a place to stay, but everyone said, Now go away! Our rooms are full! There's not one here! Find somewhere else and don't shed a tear. There was no room to be found at any inn, so they kept on looking, and then an innkeeper said they could stay in his stable, and this, for sure, was not any fable. Heaven came down that glorious night, and the star lit up the sky so bright. Jesus is the one we worship and adore, for he came to this earth, our sins he bore. This reminds me of a song. I'll teach it to you. Let's stand up.
was fun. Now let's sit down and finish the story. Who wants to know what Jesus did while he was on the earth? I often wonder what Mary thought, holding her baby that God had brought. What kind of baby would he be? Would he cry if stung by a bee? Did she know that these little feet could walk on water without missing a beat? And these same little feet walked on heaven street? Did Mary know this baby would make the blind see as they should? Did she also know that one day the deaf would hear as they went on their way? Mary's little baby was the most special of them all. He created everything and helps us when we fall. He came to make the greatest sacrifice and with his life paid the highest price. His great love for us is more than we can comprehend. It doesn't bend or break in the wind. It remains steady forever and ever. He is loyal and faithful. It won't change, never. Sleep and 
why Jesus came to earth. So this is how the king of the world came to be born as his plan unfurled. He came for a very important reason, and that is what we celebrate this holiday season. The hurting and the broken, the needs often gone unspoken, the sick and the sinners, Jesus came to make us winners. This is the greatest love that the world has ever known. The king of the universe didn't want us to be alone. He came down to save us from our sins, and when we accept him, he calls us his friends. Noel, Noel is what we sing. Merry Christmas is the greeting we bring. To young and old, near and far, we share the story of how they followed the star. stand and worship with us for this last song.
love you as a church family. It's been wonderful to share this year and hopefully many more with you. Thank you, kids and worship team, for carrying most of the weight of this service. It's a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice, but they're wonderful. Hope you have a wonderful time with your family and your friends this Christmas season. There'll be hot chocolate and cookies outside. Also, you can use, if you would like to take some family pictures, you can use that little set to take them. Have a wonderful Christmas. God bless you.